On this mini-episode of View the Right Thing, Wes and Desi head to the launch pad to witness NASA and mankind's ultimate achievement as seen through the eyes of its star player, Neil Armstrong, and his personal costs and sacrifices made along his eight-year journey to the moon and back in Damien Chazelle's directed feature, First Man. And now, Wes and Desi take you to the stratosphere in this now-playing installment of View the Right Thing. Welcome back. It's another episode Another shortened mini episode with my beautiful wife, Desiree. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. We're hanging out. Um, Going to talk about First Man. Yeah. How did you, uh, since it's a mini episode, we'll just jump into it. How'd you feel about First Man? Uh, well, um, worth seeing, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly, I kind of felt like... Uh, it's more, it's definitely more of a drama. It's not like an action film. Like, you know, like sometimes movies about space exploration are much more (laughs) action-y. Um, you know, even other movies about these specific missions are much more action-y. So if you, you know, if you're like, I'm going to see it in the theater because it's an action film... Mm-hmm. N- not maybe not a hundred percent necessary. It's really more of a drama, right? But still, definitely worth seeing, um, and very good. It's very good. I agree. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I thought it was a pretty, uh, pretty well made, well crafted film. Uh, I thought they maybe overutilized some close ups a little too much, but I also think it was done in very intentionally for a reason. Yeah. Like I, I think. I think uh, Damien Chazelle did that to, um, to one, prep us for all of the tight spaces that we were going to be in. You know, the movie movie essentially opens with close-ups with, um, you know, all the stuff with his kid, with his daughter. Um, A lot of of close-ups, like fingers on hair and things like that. And I think that was, you know... The kid inside the big machine, the the radiation machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all sort of to prep us for what he's going to go through throughout the film and how close we're going to be to him. Yeah, and not a lot of space to maneuver around in the. And I think I think if they had cheated that too much, it would have it would have been obvious and would have wouldn't have felt genuine. Yeah, it's interesting. I I actually I felt like this was like you said more genuine than like the action film versions of these these types of movies you know like it was really um striking to me how little they can see yeah their little portal like their windows are so tiny and like you know something just dawned on me we haven't you know we didn't do this on our on our previous bohemian rhapsody i think probably people knew what the movie was we didn't actually say what this movie's (laughs) about so this movie's first man and it stars ryan gosling and claire foy um jason clark kyle chandler um, and it is the telling of the, the first men on the moon, um, if you believe that it happened, <laughs> um, which I if do. you're sane. <laughs> um, uh, so this, this basically tells the story of Neil Armstrong. Yeah. And, among others, but, but yeah, it's really but from it's his, really, his perspective. It's really his perspective. It's really about him. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail us right off the bat. But. No, no, I, that's important. <clears throat> um. Yeah, so I, uh. Man, I walked away feeling really uh, unnerved by a lot of it. Yeah, I the, mean... The, all of the test flight scenes, 
are they just shake you and rattle your brain around and make you feel it's all chaotic and um tight and there's a lot where you can't see anything dark that actually one of the specific things about it about you being able to not see anything that that kind of struck me is like when you see modern spacecrafts like yeah everything is white inside and i think it's like i wonder if that's because white reflects light and there's so little light coming from like natural sources yeah that they want to to you know not ab- absorb that they want to reflect it as much as possible so that you can actually see inside uh, yeah, those, I don't know. all those spacecraft in there look like the inside of a 1930s submarine like they're metal they look like the underneath of a car like, yeah <laughs> yeah no you know and, and i think i think probably some of that is true um it's interesting to see the evolution of the crafts that they yeah that they fly in um so that's the point i think i'd say real quick uh yes i think people should see this movie uh, i think it's probably worth a 10 15 ticket yeah probably worth a little bit more if you want to see it in imax um so yeah it's it's worth yeah. it the performances are great and in- interestingly on the imax front it, a lot of movies where you see space have this you know this grand like you know, when you see outer space, it's it's amazing. And, like, right. seeing that on IMAX is really impressive. And I really, for, on this movie, I felt like they stayed more true to what the astronauts could actually see. Yeah. And even, even shots where you see, you know, where they're outside on the moon and you do see, the, you know, the surface of the moon and the earth. And it it's, it's, the sky is very dark. You know, it's not filled with stars like sometimes you see in movies yeah. and like the earth is very far away and you can only see a sliver of it. And and I think you kind of hit on it that that uh, it's, um, you know, the, normally you, know, you were talking about normally these movies are kind of actiony. Yeah. It's not a grand like triumphant thing. Like it, it yeah. it's it is. Um, but they, they downplay that a little bit in the film. They don't show the, and there's a little bit of controversy, they don't show the planting of the flag because it's not what this really, this movie's about. Mm-hmm. They show a lot of people, people's dissension for the space program during the film throughout, throughout, you know, the movie takes place over eight, nine years yeah. roughly. Um, and over that time you see glimpses of what's going on. You you see protests to the Vietnam War and protests to um, you know, civil rights protests and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they show people's dissension to spending all this money and spending the lives and not on space exploration and not um, not on education or welfare or yeah, yeah. other programs that could be that could be used. And I thought um, uh, that sort of attests to this idea that it's not about this movie wasn't about the triumph it was a very personal story yeah. about not so much the triumph of america which seemed to be what what drove america right they were trying to beat the russians the russians but yeah. it was a it was an emotional film about a guy that was incapable of dealing with loss and so now we're gonna get a little into spoilers um so early on in the film um neil armstrong's daughter 
young, maybe three or four years old, mm-hmm. dies of cancer. And he's broken by that. And we, we come to learn that he has been in this, this test flight programs where lots of pilots have died. And he is becoming accustomed to death, but unable to cope with it. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and this is a, a time period, and I think a, uh, a an organization where people who gravitate towards it tend to be ultra macho. They, there's a scene really early yeah. on in the film where um, he's interviewing to be on the crew for the moon mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. and... It's him and Patrick Fugit's character, um, Elliot C. And uh, they they sit down and they're the only guys in suits. And he's like, civilian? Yeah, another civilian. And then you see uh, Jason Clark's character looks over at them and then looks at one of the other men in uniform and is like, uh, more eggheads. You yeah. Know? So this, this idea that you have to be this like really tough, macho, you know, military guy because you're doing like the bravest thing and quite possibly they were doing the this bravest thing of the time period yeah which is interesting i find interesting too that they that they highlighted that at that point because later in the movie his wife says that he did serve in the military he wasn't in the military at the time when he applied like he was a civilian then but he was a veteran right like he had been to war well so so kind of where i was going with that was um the you you had this idea this like 1960s idea of what it means to be a man and yeah. like you know we're today still dealing with that and this idea of having to be ultra macho you can't cry you can't show your emotions you have to keep everything in check you have to be the the breadwinner and all this stuff and and that led to Neil Armstrong being this very reserved incapable of like carrying conversations on with on with people yeah you know the reporters ask him really tough questions about you know the likelihood of not coming back and and being worried about his fellow pilots and things like that and he he his only answer can be we we have all intentions of coming back right yeah because he can't fathom trying to explain the feelings of of not of of leaving his family alone. Yeah, yeah. And 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 likewise, when he loses, um, you know, multiple characters throughout the film, people that he's, he's he's close to, he retreats because he can't communicate. Yeah, and, and you know, like the he leaves one of the one of the guys in the movie dies, and he leaves the funeral early, and then his wife is riding home with other other people, people and she's like does he ever talk about our daughter, our daughter? Yeah. and they're like no and did they just he talk to you about it and she says she even says no like right. he can't even talk to his own wife about the death of their child right <sighs> um and, and i think that uh it kind of leads to a really creative and i i can only imagine challenging moment um making the sort of the climax of the film, which is the moon landing Mm -hmm. and, um, what he chooses to do. And, um, so again, it is a bigger spoiler than, than previous. Yeah. Uh, so warning, 
in the film, they're asked um, if they're going to take anything to the moon. So uh, Buzz Aldrin mentions that his wife wants him to take some jewelry to the moon. And why would he deny her this? This like bragging rights, bragging basically. Rights. <laughs> uh, and they ask Armstrong what he would take. And he says, you know, I'd, I'd like to take more fuel. Yeah, he's very business about it. And, 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 and yeah. And I think at some point, we don't see when, but at some point he, he decides to take something and he takes this uh, this bracelet of his daughter's, um, and he leaves it on the moon. And, and I don't think anyone knows that he does it, but him. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's unclear. They don't they don't really explain. Yeah. But what I think was was really interesting about that, not just that he did that, because thematically you could uh, surmise from storytelling that that would happen, but um, everything is silent. You know, you you do hear the the radio transmissions because I think that's historical. Um, but most of the stuff on the moon, once they step out of the capsule um, or the landing module, they uh, you don't hear anything. And at first I was really bothered by that because I know they say, like, you know, space is a vacuum and you don't hear things in space. But the reality is if you're inside a suit, we could hear his breathing. Yeah, at some point. We um, could, we, we, it was, you would hear – you would hear – the, you would hear his foot. He would hear his own footsteps through his suit. He would hear the rattling of the the strap that's on the on the staircase through his suit. Like he would hear vibrations and things. Right. Right. So at first that really bothered me, but then I, uh, as the scene progressed and he spent time on the moon and you got this vast openness of nothingness. He's like finally alone. He finally has no voices around him, and he's finally able to like be silent. And it's okay for him to be silent in this moment. And that's when he sort of is allowed to, like, grieve for the first time. And um, even when they come back, the last scene of the film is him and his wife. And they're separated still by this piece of glass. There's still no... It's still silent, you know? Um, And I think that's a really bold, kind of brave thing to do as a filmmaker. To just let let the situation live in the silence yeah yeah it was definitely something i noticed too is that that silence and like the other thing when they land on the moon the other thing that really struck me was like that that landing module compared to you know what we see now that landing module looks like a tin can with tin foil wrapped around it. <laughs> it <laughs> like, looks like something so, built out of an erector set. Yeah, and there's set. so much foil. Like I'm, I'm sure it's like you know insulated. And I think today they use the foil. Though, yeah, right? I think they do too. But it, it just struck me as really funny to like, you know, it looks like a test thing. It doesn't yeah. look like something that should have actually gone on to the out of you know into outer space and onto the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it's. It's funny because I think about the foil and stuff, and I remember when they show um, the this the shuttle do where they where they like break it apart and they turn it around and then they connect back and they redock mm-hmm. um, with the module. I was noticing things like foil wrapped around hoses and stuff, and I was thinking. This looks so different from the Gemini stuff, or the Gemini as they pronounced Gemini. it in the in the yeah. uh, in the movie. Um, it looks so different from th- that technology, that over 
you know, the course of four years that yeah. they had figured out a bunch of things. I, and I wish a, a little part of me wishes that we had gotten to experience some of that because Neil Armstrong was an engineer. And so I, th- yeah. I feel like I missed out a little bit on, on his uh, work as an engineer um, on the on the projects but yeah I mean um, they definitely like they, you know they show him taking a lot of notes and mm-hmm. writing things down and and being very like engaged when the teacher is talking in certain you know but but it is very like you're you're not connected to it like it's right it's sort of ancillary but the one thing I did think was really interesting that they, they I think sort of very briefly touched on about his you know, engineering mind, that sort of analytical, mathematical type of mindset is that he has a whole notebook. He's writing everything down about his daughter being sick, like how she's reacting to the chemotherapy, right. you know, like what, when they do the chemotherapy, like what different things are happening. Like it's not emotional. It's not a journal. It's scientific. It's, you know, he's tracking it in a mathematical scientific way. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a really that I I loved that moment when the um they go up to test the docking for the first time and it's just him and one other guy and they're they've missed the point. Like yeah. they've they have overshot the point that they were supposed to to arrive at and he's he's got his journal and he's working it all out and the guy's talking to him and he's like I I need He's like shut up. I need to figure this out. <laughs> literally tells him to stop talking like he's like i need to yeah solve this yeah. so that we can figure this out you know yeah <clears throat> excuse me there was uh the music was really interesting to me it was very interesting it was not um you know space epic you know, huge orchestral. It wasn't Harry Gregson Williams, like Armageddon right, style. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was um, drama. It was drama music. It was drama music and it was a little like experimental. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it was like pretty standard film score. I thought like the main theme was pretty, pretty standard. Um, but definitely like some of the space stuff was, and at first it, it kind of bothered me that there was this theremin in there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's so like such a cheesy, spacey thing to do to include the theremin. But then I learned that um, Neil Armstrong was a big fan of the theremin. <laughs> so now I'm kind of like, OK, so it was there for a really good reason. Um, and and it does work. It just. As somebody who has seen that trope or heard that trope yeah, a lot, yeah. it it really stuck out to me. But. But knowing those things, um, they uh, they did a lot of really interesting things to make this movie. Um, they they tried, I think, tried to be as scientifically accurate as possible. I think they tried to be as um, historically accurate as possible. Yeah. The the f- the fire in the um, Apollo. Ten, I think it's the ten. I it's... don't remember. It's the one where they were doing. It was it was pretty early in. It was like the plug out. Test. It was a plug out test. And Neil and I don't know one no. of the other guys are at the White House. Yes, they're, they're, they're the White not House. there. I don't know if it was. I can't remember. I, th- I think it was earlier than the ten because I know they did. They did a test before eleven, um, but uh, I um, I thought that was handled really well. I thought it was yeah, abrupt. It's... 
and it was not gratuitous. No, and no. I think but and, it's like heartbreaking still. It's so heartbreaking, and I think the choice to show the exterior of the tin can when the moment happens was um, everything that you needed to say about it, yeah. about the danger of this, and and how catastrophic it is when it and goes how wrong. Quickly, it, it, yeah. I mean, it was minutes, barely. Oh, no, seconds, I think. Yeah, I mean, but, just... I, but I mean, like, from the time that the fire, that they're like, a fire has broken out to that. Oh, I think it was seconds. Yeah, I think it's like it's 30 so seconds. Short. Yeah, it was, it was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, jarring in, in, in the best ways. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I fall on that. I think, I mean, it's, it's early right now, but we're sort of in the, getting you know in two months they're gonna start saying here are the nominations for right yeah (laughs) in in a month they're gonna be talking about golden globes so yeah um you know how do you feel about this do you think do you think that you see any awards coming for this um it's interesting because i think that a lot of times actors get awards for being very emotional and very dramatic and mm-hmm. I think that Ryan Gosling did a really good job being true to how I think he, he might have been how Neil Armstrong may have actually been which is extremely reserved like he he gets mad a few times yeah but like he contains it and I think he did yeah. a really good job of of showing him sort of struggle internally yeah oh yeah visually you understand what neil armstrong is going through just just by looking at him and you're you're hitting on a really really great point yeah there's not there's not the some like long monologue where he blows up and and you know and I, i think that those types of performances are more easily identifiable as right you know award performances but i think that he this is almost harder I think. Yeah, and I, I, um, as far as delivering dialogue, I point probably to the scene with his children where he explains they sit down at the dinner table and he explains that he might not come back. Um, that's a, I think, a really great scene where somebody's trying to say so very little. And you're right. I think normally you would have big long speech about it. Yeah. And and he would, you know, in any other movie, he would tell the story that a kid would understand and instead he's he just, just not who he is matter yeah. of fact about it he just and is, yeah he doesn't even want to to have a conversation with them at all like right and i think that um claire foy claire foy like her her monologue to him about him needing to tell them yep is is definitely very powerful and it's probably a little more in line with those sort of more yeah. identifiable like all oh, they they could definitely get an award for this like I wanted a little more Claire Foy. That's that's probably my yeah. biggest critique for the film is that you get a sense of what the wives go through by like one scene, um, two scene. You know, maybe after the fact that you know when once people start dying, you get yeah. a, another another little taste of it. But you don't really, you don't really get to. And I know the movie's not really exactly about her; it's more about him. Yeah. Um, but I would have liked to have seen her have a larger more to do than and i know it's the 60s but more to do than just be a mom yeah. i wish we would have got to see more dialogue from her because when she delivers it she's so convincing and she's got a little bit of that transatlantic thing going yeah. on and, um she's just very engaging to watch and um when she uh 
when they lose, well, when they lose contact with Neil uh, on the the test flight, the mm-hmm. docking test, um, and she goes in and talks to uh, Kyle Chandler's character. Yeah. The uh, I thought that performance was excellent, but it was like it's so, it's so short. short. <laughs> There's just not enough meat there. Um, and I was really hoping that this was going to be a sort of a breakout, like not not a breakout thing for her because she's you know she's already a Golden Globe Emmy winner. Yeah. Um, but I, I was just hoping that this would be an opportunity for her to, to maybe get nominated for an award. Yeah. I'm not sure. She, I'm not sure there was enough there for her to do it. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, like, you know, she does have that scene, and 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 she, then she has the scene where she, you know, explains to Neil that he has to talk to the children before he leaves. Like, he can't just leave without saying anything. And and um, it's interesting because we never see her grieve their child's loss either right but i think that's because neil never sees it he is like that's a really good point he's like i i'm i'm going back to work like and he 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 won't deal with it so he doesn't see her deal with it either yeah you know but that's really that's a really great point so even if he doesn't see it though it still think it would have been okay for us to see it you know without him there like yeah i think that could have been an opportunity you know, for her to have a little bit more to do in that story. Yeah. You know? I don't, um, I don't know if, uh, Damien Chazelle will get any kind of recognition for this. I wonder. I think he did a fantastic job as the director. Um, I think it's special in a lot of ways. I think he did, I think he did, made a lot of really bold choices that aren't, aren't easy to make. Shooting so close, in confined spaces, showing a lot of black, choosing to have scenes just be silent. I think those are really bold decisions. Um, but it also limits his scope. So I don't know. I don't know where people are going to fall on that. I think, I think there's also like a bunch of, you know, um, there's some really, really great directors out this year. Um, Alfonso Cuaron's got a new movie coming out and, um, there's a bunch of first time directors and then there's Boots Riley who did Sorry to Bother You and there's just a lot of lot of there's gonna be a lot of competition this year, so I'm not quite sure where people are gonna fall in that. I won't be surprised if he does. Yeah. Um, but I also absolutely won't be surprised if he doesn't. I think I think it could sneak away from him because he made the right decisions. The bold decisions were the right call for this film. But um Sadly, that could be the also the thing that keeps him from getting an award. But yeah, it's interesting too because, like, like I said, you know, this isn't a, a lot of times like when you see like Armageddon or, or other films of that nature, they are these you know huge sweeping vistas of outer space, and and I almost think that this when you do get to see it in this film, like the you know when they get that that glimpse out the window of the mm-hmm. horizon or you know the moon close right there, you know. Right it's almost more impactful because you want more like you you're barely getting it and like you you're and i think you and i think waiting you, for it like you know like also it also goes to show like how much work goes into so getting so little out of it you know right. it's like you, you're just struggling to attain this thing that you can barely glimpse through a small window which is which is um tough yeah, but I, 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 but like I said, I think that when you do get like when he is finally on oh, the, the moon, moon is like incredible. Like, it, it feels so much more impactful. Yeah, you have a, this really strong appreciation for it, and and I felt like I, I don't know. I was like, 
it feels like this must be what the moon really is like. Like, Yeah. You really get that feeling. Um, Also, you know, you were talking about like movies like Armageddon and stuff. I want to point to like two movies that are a little bit more grounded uh, in reality than Armageddon. Um, The Right Stuff Mm -hmm. and um, uh, Apollo 13. 13. But especially The Right Stuff, you know, the famous shot, which they... They did in, I mean, you've seen it in a whole bunch of movies and TV shows, but even Armageddon kind of mimicked this. But the slow motion shot of the of the heroes coming out toward the camera, walking towards oh, the yeah. shuttle, you know, that's not what this movie was. Right. In fact, this movie was um, two, two guys going out alone into a space shuttle, afraid to walk up to it. Right, you yeah. know, um, you can see the fear and the trepidation in his eyes when when he goes into the Gemini yeah, uh, yeah. module. So, um, in a lot of ways, it's like almost the exact opposite. I think, kind of what to your again to your point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so uh, I I liked the movie a lot, um, and uh, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I definitely would too. Um... Oh, there was something I wanted to talk about. I can't, uh, remember, can't remember in a podcast. It's gone. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, there was something. Uh, there was one little factoid that I learned that I, I really liked was, um, remember, there's a scene in the film before they they get into the Apollo. Um, I think it's like the morning of. And they're having breakfast. And it's just like super quiet. And they're just eating. And there's a guy scratching away on paper. He's drawing them. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy is the son of the artist who drew them that morning. And he's playing his father in that scene. Oh, that's, that's I, cool. I thought that was like a very sweet thing to, to yeah. include in the film. So, well. I think, I think no, so, sorry. You I remembered re- it. I remembered what I was gonna... Oh, fantastic. Okay, Let's do it. So, the, I was going to talk about, again, going back to the scene where he's interviewing to be part of the, the program, the NASA program. Like yeah. He's already a, a pilot. He's already doing test flights and things, but NASA specifically, you know, is interviewing the people for the um, Jiminy. Yeah. The, the civilian versus the <laughs> yeah. veterans. Um, in that interview, they ask him why he thinks it's important. Mm. Uh, and, yeah. and that was, like, maybe the most striking, like, personal thing in the in the film to me. Like, yeah. You know, there is that they do touch on sort of that descent of the public and, and saying, like, why are we mm-hmm. spending all this money to go out into outer space? We and we don't need to. And, you know, all this kind of things. And he talks about how it gives us a new perspective. You know, even if we go to the moon and we don't find anything useful, like him seeing the atmosphere and and saying, like, it, it's so small compared to the Earth, like. And I and I think that's backed up later in the film too. Yeah. You're right. Um, so it prior to that moment, you have sort of the him versus uh, um, the uh, the military guy, um, mm-hmm. Jason Clark's character, and you sort of have this that you, you sort of get the feeling that they're going to be rivals, and in reality, they end up becoming very close friends, um, and their wives are very close friends. Yeah, and. Um, there's a moment in the film when they're out on a walk together and he's talking about how his son is gaining a new perspective. Right, right. And I think that's that that justification that Neil Armstrong has 
or need needed or the confirmation that he needed that what they were doing was worth it. Right. And at the end of the film, you know, even though, again, you mentioned the descent at the end of the film, you hear, uh, um, Jason Clark, Ed White's character, uh, Ed White talking about why, why space exploration after he's died. And then also you hear JFK talking about space exploration and talking yeah. about like, why climb Everest? Why do anything, you right, know, yeah. <laughs> um, because we can and we should because yeah. it, it, it can change lives. And uh, and we've gained a lot by by space exploration. So, yeah, I mean, we got Tang. So, I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> Tang. No, obviously, way more we did not see them drink that, any Tang. No, we did not. What the heck? Um, what they, the heck, filmmakers? I mean, we barely see them. He has like some weird like bag of uh, some kind of food I'm guessing or something. It was meat, meat, meat cons- gravy, something. Yeah, meat fat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's like the only time we even see it, and and that's like one of those sort of tropes of space movies where they always see like you know there's some Goo bubble of eating. liquid floating in the whatever, yeah. and you know, and it's. I don't think it's necessary in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah. I think. I agree. I think they did just a really, I think it, the whole movie they did such a good job with. And, the, sorry, there's, there's another thing I was just thinking of that reminded me, um, the, seeing the evolution of, of like, the buildings they're in at NASA. Oh, like, yeah. Like, the first building, where they do that, the. Of course you notice The this. spin, you know, they get in the thing that oh, spins the them around. Thing, yeah. And then they all go to the bathroom to throw up. That bathroom looks like a a fifty year old cruddy, dirty garage bathroom, like a hangar or like, something. It's so yeah. gross and like yeah. old and dirty. oh yeah, the bathroom. Yeah. And yeah. then like later, they're in the bathroom again, and it's clearly like cleaner and newer, yeah. and like it's just interesting to see that evolution. Too. Yeah. Well, and then they the um the center that they quarantine them that they he goes to stay overnight at the before the apollo 11 launch Mm -hmm. um and he he's got like a little room you know when they quarantine him he's got like a painting and some of his belongings are in there and his suitcases in there and it's just a very strange and surreal thing coming from where they started right yeah yeah so. Sorry, that was just something I noticed. I wanted no, to it was a good throw in there. Good observation. All right, I think that's it for this episode, uh, this mini episode. Um, we're gonna be back with more mini episodes. Um, hopefully, we're gonna soon be um, talking uh, about the movie Overlord. Um, we're mm-hmm. hoping to talk about the film um, A Private War, and then we've got um, you know the the full length episodes. We've got um, uh, Beautiful Boy. Come with um, our friend Alexis. I'll, I'll be speaking with her. So um, keep listening, and we will see you next time. Bon cinema.